Okay, good morning from me. My name is Vasek. I'm from Czech uh, Republic. Uh, that's a country in the middle of Europe. Sometimes it's called the heart of Europe, our neighboring countries. If you uh, get a better idea, it's Germany on the, on the left, on the west, Poland, Slovakia, and Austria, and we're in the middle of them. So I come from Czech Republic, the capital, Prague. Uh, there's a town in, in, in Minnesota that's also called Prague, New Prague. I've been there once. They, call, they told me that the correct pronunciation is Prague. So, uh, so there's, there's actually a Czech community, or used to be like three generations ago in, Czech Republic, uh, in, in Minnesota as well. So, but if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke 11. We'll start at verse 14 today. And what is happening in Luke, and up till this point, is that Jesus came to the world. He got himself some disciples, he's teaching large crowds, he's healing the sick, and on several occasions, we could have seen Luke, if we study Luke, we would see that evil is running away. Evil is running away, and this passage we have in front of us today is about Jesus driving out a demon. Jesus driving out a demon. Jesus is coming, and evil is fleeing, maybe even begging and that's what his kingdom is about, the total defeat of evil, bringing restoration, redemption, forgiveness, healing. And what we see in this text in Luke chapter 11, that as Jesus is driving out demon, people are watching. People are watching, and they have things to say. Not everybody likes it. Not everybody likes it. Some like it, some do not. It causes people to split. People have different opinions. And I think in our culture today, maybe especially here in America, we know a few things about splits, polarizations, two sides, or more sides. And maybe let me ask you this. What was your first reaction when you heard about Jesus or when you heard about God? You know, I grew up in Czech Republic. Czech Republic, very atheistic nation, maybe one of the most atheistic countries in the world. Uh, I became Christian when I was 19, None of my family is still a Christian, uh, not even a distant grandma or anything like that. And I first about Christianity when I was 18 uh, through an English camp, evangelistic English camp, a group from actually New Hope, Minnesota came to Czech Republic, did evangelistic English camp. That's how I heard first about Christianity. But before that, if you ask me, Vashek, do you know any Christians? Like even do you know somebody who claims to be a Christian? I would say I don't know anybody. Not a single person that claims to believe in God. I would, I would think, I, I would tell you, I thought it died out, like, like a species. You know, maybe somewhere in America, you know, like Galapagos Island, there's some weird species, like Christians, maybe there, but not here, not in Europe. And I still remember the first thing when I met Christians, what I thought. I thought, this is ridiculous. And I thought, only a stupid person would believe this. I was a very fierce critic what was your first reaction? Maybe you grew up in a church. Maybe you grew up in a Christian family. But maybe you had a time as well in your life, maybe in your teens, maybe later, maybe earlier, when you just ask yourself, is this just a little dumb? Or is it wrong even? Back to the text. Our text, that's verse 14, starts like this. Now he, Jesus, was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke. A miracle happened. A person who was probably mute his whole life spoke. 
And the Bible tells us there was a spiritual force behind this, a demon, spiritual force that manifested itself physically. Now, that doesn't mean that every illness and problem is caused by a demon. It's not like when you start sneezing, you must have a sneezing demon. Luke is writing this gospel, right? Luke is a doctor. He's not an exorcist. He uses medicine to treat people. But he knows that medicine is, medicine is sometimes it's not that all we need. And that spiritual can be often mingled with the physical. Just because something is physical doesn't mean it's only that. And here we have both. But the text is about this. Jesus, says, Jesus is on the scene, the Son of God. He's driving this evil demon, healing this man. And this text is not much about this demon. This text and what's following is about people watching this and have different reactions. Different reaction. Miracle happens, evil is driven away, and there are three groups in the crowd. People, first group, people who are in awe, they're amazed, the text says, marveled. Then there are people who do not like it. And there are people who just want more proof. I mean these three groups like this. Fans, critics, and skeptics. Okay, listen to the text. Continue with the text, verse 14. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and people marveled. You know, great. Some other translation says, people are amazed. It was amazing. But some, verse 15, said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. You know, this, this is wrong. This is evil. While others, verse 16, to test him, kept seeking from him sign from heaven. We need more proof. And I chose this text today for you because I think these categories of people are still around. Maybe especially here and now. Three categories of people that see what Jesus is doing. They see church, they see Christians, and they have different opinions. And maybe if you ever talk to somebody about God, which sadly is not very likely. I mean, in our country, very atheistic, but I think it's similar here. Evangelism statistics is that a Christian talks to somebody else about his or her faith zero to once a year. But if you ever did, you know you get different, many different reactions. You know, some people just want to hear more. They seem interested. Some are skeptical. I need a sign. I once knew a guy who said, I don't believe in God, but if he gives me a sign, I will believe. And he said, I was sitting on my balcony and said to God, if I drink this entire bottle of vodka and don't get drunk, I'll believe. And he told me it happened. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I believe him, but <laughs> some are skeptical, but some, you know, just are outright critics. They hate it. And what is interesting is that Jesus answers all of them. And today, together, we'll focus on two of them, critics and the fans. Critics and the fans. Critics, mainly those outside the church. You know, they're not likely to come to the church. Maybe they're here, I don't know. But mainly outside. And fans, mainly inside the church. Critics first. Jesus answers them first. You know, critics, they see it, and they don't like it. It stinks. He said, they said, he does it in the power of Beelzebul. You know, that's not a name for Satan. False God. Away with you. This is evil. That's not a nice thing to say about, you know, someone. It's not only, I want you to hear this. This is not only, I think there's something fishy going around. Like my uncle used to deceive people like this. You know, we used to, twin. 
the, the, the mute one and the guy who could spoke, we like changed them and deceived people. No, they're saying this is not just fishy, this is satanic. And are we not in a culture where people increasingly think that Christianity and what it stands for is just the worst? You know, where's the Netflix TV show where the main hero is the considered Christian? You know, it's not coming. It's not, only, it's not anymore just, I don't care. It's you and your views are harmful and bad. This is the kind of people that say church is the worst. They're just doing it to get money out of people. They claim to have the truth. Christians are the worst. Organized religion, so beneath me. I hear these things all the time in check, and they're here more and more. Trusting a book? Idiots. I have my own God. I have my own truth. These views are so outdated about gender, about sex. It's not only we don't care anymore. It's your views are evil. They're bad. Maybe they've never been part of a healthy church. Usually they have not read the Bible for themselves, but they have a strong opinion. We know what's going on, and we don't like it. They might have been hurt by a church, had a bad experience and makes them feel they understand. But look, look what's happening. Jesus just healed a guy, right? Somebody who was mute probably his entire life. Like, can you imagine? Maybe some of you are battling an illness for a long period. Maybe you can, you can maybe feel that. Like, his life just had to change. His wife maybe never heard his voice. His kids never heard his voice. He could not talk, communicate. He could not sing with others. Now everything changed. Even the text tells us that even the spiritual evil that was behind it fled. And it happened in front of a group of witnesses. And there are people who will criticize it. They will not like it. They don't want to hear about it. They have a need to ridicule it. Look for flaws. Even in the face of a changed life. Even though they did not study it themselves. That was me too. You know, I met Christians in 2007. That's the first time I met Christians. They came to Czech Republic. It was a high school group. I was at high school. They talked about God. I didn't believe them. And then, but I thought, now I have friends in America, which means I can come to America and stay here for free. So in 2008, I came to America. I came to Minnesota. I was not a believer. And these Christians, they, they said, there's this conference happening. There was this Challenge called Challenge, which is a national youth conference that was happening in Salt Lake City. Why don't you come with us? And it was this, I don't know, 5,000 young kids, and Francis Chan was the main speaker, and it was all about God, and I was not a Christian. And I still have my notebook filled with notes, and all the notes basically says, this is so stupid. We planted our church nine years ago, and First convert at our church, I met him. He was a really angry man. He was in motorcycle gangs, and he was facing charges for an assault. And he said, I talked to him about God, you know, I tried to talk to him about God over beer. And he said, I don't believe God exists, and if he does, I will kick his ass. His words. 
I have not read the Bible. I didn't talk to any Christians, but my mind is made up. God then proceeded to change his mind. And most of our church is like this, first-generation Christians. And you may think there are not many people like this around, but yes, they are, and increasingly so. We're not winning any cultural battles. I don't think we're called to even. But what's interesting is this. You know, Jesus doesn't set up shop in Nazareth when people only like him can come and talk to him. You know, he's walking around, and there's all kinds of people talking to him. And Jesus, he listens to them. He pays attention to them. Actually, Jesus often changes those who are the farthest away. And that's our experience in Czech, which is interesting that usually those who are the farthest away are saved now, and those who are always close, kind of want to hear about God, and interested in religion, are still close, but not with Jesus. And Jesus answers them. He answers the critic first. That's verse 17. But he, Jesus, 17, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and divided household falls. Now that's for their argument that you're doing it with the power of Satan. 18. And if Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. He tells them, listen, there are two kingdoms. One is God's, one is Satan's. Satan has his temporary dominion. He's not the ruler of hell, like, you know, it's often portrayed in movies. In hell, in hell Satan will not rule anything. Satan's last chance is here. And Jesus is saying, if I'm doing it in the power of Satan, that's a very stupid strategy. Like Satan, your argument is that Satan is attacking himself? Me and my wife, you know, we're looking for like a, we don't have many hobbies, that similar hobbies, so we're looking for stuff to do together. And it's usually late at night, we have two little kids, so only thing you can do kind of after they, they're in bed. So we decided to play chess. And we're not very good. And so we're playing. It was probably a few weeks ago. We were playing. And I have to say, this is late at night and after some wine. And my wife, she always takes, I want to buy the chess clock because she takes forever to, to move. And then, and then she says, uh, can, I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I make it again? Can I, ch- can I put it back? I said, no. So she always, and now she's thinking like th- 10 minutes. Okay, this is long. And then she's like, confessing, you know, this whole time I was thinking about attacking my own peace. <laughs> like, on accident. But that's the strategy, how can she take her own night? Listen, this kind of strategy will not work, right? <clears throat> and she said, really, this is your argument? Like, I'm from Satan, attacking Satan? It's like resisting an eye roll and saying, well, that's not a good argument. And notice this. Jesus doesn't say, well, you have your truth, I have mine. Jesus doesn't say, well, you hurt my feelings. You're telling me I'm evil. I'm not going to talk to you. No, he says, bad argument. Bad argument. And what he tells them next, he tells them they're hypocrites next. Okay, this is verse 19. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. You know what this is like? Somebody comes to you, maybe an unbeliever, probably an unbeliever, and tells you your faith. 
Your faith is, your, is a crutch. You're weak. You need something to believe in. You believe in some God, a fairy tale, a myth. You're giving hope to imaginary things. That happens to me a lot. Answer back. Okay, where do you put your hope in? What is the meaning of life? Why does the world exist? Oh, you're saying there's no meaning, no hope. You live like this? No. It's not you that are putting hope in imaginary things then? Like Jesus turns, turns it around. He's saying, you're trying to criticize me, find fault, but you're hypocrites. You're doing it, but it's fine when you do it. Ask questions back. This is actually a really good strategy. Instead of trying to explain everything to people with questions, ask questions back. Well, what do you think? What do you think is the hope? What do you think is the meaning? Like Jesus is telling these guys this. Do you look at yourself the same way you look at me? Do you look at yourself the same way you look at me? You laugh at Christians, but have you answered hard questions for yourself? And Jesus is standing there, and this is what I want you to really see for the critics. He does not merely answer. He just doesn't give information. He does this. He challenges them. He challenges them. He said, you have to decide. I'm either from God or I'm not. There's no middle ground. Some of you, are, you, know, some of you maybe are in this position. You have to decide. If I'm from God, you have to do something. It means that God's kingdom really is coming, and there will be place for only one kingdom when God's kingdom comes. Whose kingdom you'll be part of? Jesus challenges them. And sometimes I think challenging people is missing from our evangelism. You know, like we are really good, at, at least that's my experience from my church. We're really, you know, heady church. We have a lot of study things. We do a lot of discipleship, a lot of Bible studies, and we're really good with information. We read a lot of books. We share information and no challenge. But gospel is challenging, right? It says, repent, like Turn around and be baptized. There's a command. It's not only think about it more, or let's, let, let's meet for coffee next week or in a month. Read a book. It's challenging. You have to decide. And Satan, Jesus is saying, Satan maybe has some power. Maybe he's influencing things. There's still fear, anxiety, sickness. Satan, Satan still has some strength, but something else, something stronger is coming. Whose side are you on? He says this next. And this is all to the critic. He spends the most time with the critic. When a strong man, this is verse 21, when a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger, I don't know if he pointed a finger at himself when he said that, when someone stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and he divides his spoil. He says, Satan is fully armed, strong man. He guards his spells, but someone even stronger is coming. You know, Christianity is not about dualism. It's not some even fight between God and evil. Satan was giving a dominion for a short time, but he will be defeated. He leads a lost war. He's angry. He's kicking around. He knows how will it end. Jesus is coming back and is taking what is his. He destroys his enemies. There will be no longer place for sickness, fear. Evil is running away. Jesus is standing there and says, Satan is strong, yes, but I'm stronger. What side are you on? And listen, he really says this. This is not an overstatement. Read verse 23. It's kind of a radical verse. 
Whoever is not with me is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. This is not a verse about everybody has their own truth. This is whoever is not with me is against me. There's no neutral side. You have to take a stand. And now Jesus says something weird. Okay? It looks weird at least. He says, when the unclean spirit, this is verse 24, when the unclean, unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. You know, this, is, this sounds like something from Demonology 101 book. What does this mean? I think it's stressing the same point. It simply, mean that, it simply means this. It's not only about getting rid of evil. It's about replacing evil with the presence of the good. Okay? It says maybe you will get your life a little bit in order. Maybe you get rid of some evil in your life. But you also need the presence of the good. You know, maybe you clean up. Get your life together. Everything will look like it's, it's fine. You'll be religious. You go to church. You'll be moral. And Jesus says, Satan loves these people the most. And he's coming for them with a greater force. Because to defeat evil, it's not just choosing a moral life. It's choosing Jesus. The way to defeat evil is not just to have a nice life, do good, not watch horror movies, be moral. To de- the way to defeat evil is to have a someone stronger on your side. Sounds stronger than Satan. And some of you still think that being a Christian means to do something, but it's more about having someone. Uh, The goal with the critic, it's not just that the critic will cease to be a critic and becomes more agnostic or more sympathetic, but replace what he lives for by Jesus Christ. And that's a big ask, but it's the only ask that makes any sense. Everybody needs Jesus and we will be satisfied with nothing less. Satan likes these religious people. It is them that Jesus has the harshest debates with. So these are the critics. They're around. Their hope is change what they live for with Jesus Christ. Maybe we're not like them, most of us. Maybe we're closer to the second group. Because the second group is way more represented inside the church. Those are the fans. The text says this. There was a lady in the crowd. Oh, that's what I'm saying. That's not what the text saying. There was a lady in the crowd. And this is what the text said. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you were nursed. Now, this is not a critic. You know, she's one of the, they were amazed. They're like, Jesus. And you know this is a woman, right? She's like, probably a mom. She's like, your mom, she must have been amazing. You know, that's what she says. She must have been something else. But, you know, she saw, she saw what happened and knew there is something about it. Something amazing happened. And it's true. There must be something about Jesus, maybe because of his parents or something. But there is something about this Jesus. There's something. Good job. And like many of you, I like Jesus. You know, this is, you like Jesus, there's something about him, you know. Can can we get the shirts or the sticker? I saw Jesus heal a man. 
And what is interesting in this text is this. Jesus is not hearing this either. Jesus is not hearing this either. Being a fan is not enough. It's not enough to be in awe. It's not enough to just like what happened. It's not enough just to support Christians or churches. You guys, good job, good job. I'm not going to be part of it. I'm not going to commit. I'll be at home, but go get them, guys. I'll be a fan. You know, Vikings are playing at 8.30. I'm not going to church. Go get them. Something we, sometimes we think we're on the right side because we went to church. Or we even like Jesus. Or find Bible inspiring. But not only we must be in awe by what Jesus is doing or be fans, we have to be part of it. And listen, this is the reaction. So, so blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you were nourished. Wow. And the, verse 20, 28 said, but, he said, you know, but. That's a reaction to it. But he said, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He said, wrong. Being a fan is not enough. It's not enough only to be part of a crowd, clap, and not make a real decision, not to make a real commitment. It's not enough to just hear hear God's word and maybe like it. One must keep it. One must follow it. One must commit. And listen, salvation is totally free. If we don't work for it, but when we receive it, it works in us. We're not about this church, I hope, and our church definitely in Czech Republic. We're not just about creating fans of Jesus. We're about creating disciples of Jesus. People who really follow. Not only clap from a distance. Not only like it from a distance. But people who actually follow Jesus. Let me ask you this. Are you a fan or are you a disciple? Is Christianity only interesting to you? Does it only fill your time? Maybe you're here because you have friends here. That's fine. But answer these questions. Is it life and death for you? Maybe you're scared to answer because you know. Maybe you just convince yourselves because you're not a critic. You're with Jesus. But it doesn't take only not to be a critic. Just to be a fan. Those don't get it either. Maybe it's your parents' faith that you have. Maybe you never made a real commitment, real decision. Maybe you just want to be a better person. Christians love Christ. There's no middle ground. I know it's no longer cool. I know people will not like it, increasingly so. But Christians really love Jesus, want to live for him, and want to do what he says. It's not that difficult. Because nothing else makes sense for us in the light of who he is. If you really see Jesus for what he is, you know, the next skeptics, I'm not going to talk about skeptics, but the skeptics were like, oh, give us another sign. And Jesus is telling them, if I'm not enough for you, no sign will help. This is your last sign. Christians, if they look at Jesus, nothing else makes sense for them to live for. I'm not saying it's always easy, we all, or we always see it as clear, maybe as the day we were converted or got saved. I'm saying, this is the question, what's better 
to live for than Jesus Christ. Critics and fans, Jesus corrects them both. We challenge critics, and we're not satisfied being fans only. Okay, we challenge critics, and we're not satisfied being fans only. Critics, critics, fans, and skeptics, they don't get it. It's not, it's not enough. Not enough to critique or even clap. Jesus wants people to follow him. His kingdom demands participation, membership. When we look at the cross, we see both the magnitude of our sin and the magnitude of God's love for us. And Bible is radical. Bible is radical. Bible says those who follow him, it's like they were born again. It's like they started a new life. What they live for now is different. The whole life changed. They belong to someone else. His kingdom, not our own. In this life where there's better hope, better meaning, and the one who we live for is better. I'll close with prayer, and uh, then I'll invite Garth up. But I'll do this. I'll, I'll pray a short prayer in English, and then I'll pray in Czech, so it's not tongues. You don't need. <laughs> if anybody speaks Czech, they can interpret, interpret me. But it's gonna be Czech, okay? So, God, I thank you for this morning. I pray that we will be challenged through this text. I pray that you would challenge both critics and fans, and that we would see the fruit in this church. We would see critics who just couldn't imagine belonging to you will be just converted and they would have just started a new life. I pray that you would change fans and from people who are just thinking they're on the right side because they're doing the right things or like the good things but made no real commitment. I pray that you would just you would 180 degrees just turn them around the same. And I pray that people who need to repent maybe right now and people who need to commit right now would do it today. And I thank you that your grace is new every morning for us and we can, we can do it with trust in you, not trust in ourselves. Oče, taky děkuji za tenhle zbor, děkuji za všechny tyhle lidi, kteří tady jsou, děkuji, že jsem mohl mít příležitost tady být a prosím tě, abys tady jednal a pracoval skrze ducha a měnil životy všech lidí, kteří tady jsou. Amen.